0: Rising stars of SaaS is brought to you by Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of software that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Your first app is free forever. And right now, Odoo is offering $1,000 off your first implementation pack at odoo.com twist. That's O-D-O-O. Dot com slash twist linkedin sales navigator with face to face meetings now a thing of the past you'll need to quickly adapt your sales strategy to stay ahead linkedin sales navigator is the tool designed to help you master digital selling go to LinkedIn.com dot slash sas to start your 60 day free trial that's LinkedIn.com slash s a a s and pipe SaaS companies, this is for you. Pipe helps you unlock your recurring revenue as upfront capital. No debt, no loans, no dilution. Sign up in minutes and start trading on Pipe free for 12 months at pipe.com twist. Hey everybody, welcome
1: to this weekend startup. Super excited to continue our rising stars of SaaS. That's software as a service, aka cloud computing, aka software in your browser, aka pay a monthly fee for software, not four hundred dollars to get a package, and um, we are cooking with oil in this series. We had Steve from Rapid Deploy on uh, as our first guest, and then uh, and he was working on helping nine one one operators and first responders to lower the call time, right, through software, through cloud SaaS. Uh, through a cloud and SaaS solution rapid deploy. Then we had Ben from Transcendon. he is making it easy for users to protect their privacy with online services and allowing those online services to be compliant with GDPR and CCAP and all this privacy regulation that's coming. So we're starting to see how software can take away friction and make the world more delightful uh, through enterprise SaaS solutions. Today will be no different. Song LaRon is the co-founder and CEO of Squire, which is getSquire.com. Yep. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So uh Squire allows uh you I guess you guys were like the Uber of barber shops in the beginning, but I think you quickly evolved into providing a full POS point of sale scheduling and app uh, development platform for all barbershops, correct?
2: Exactly. Yep.
1: So explain how many barbershops are using the software right now and what you enable them to do.
2: Yeah, we've got a little over a thousand um, barbershops using using the full system. And what we do is we essentially handle everything that a barbershop needs to run their business from their booking uh, to the online payment to the point-of-sale pay- payment in the shop, and then all the back-end stuff, paying out the barbers, CRM, marketing. It's really a full end-to-end system uh, focused specifically on the vertical of barbershops. We like to think of ourselves as pro- providing everything that they need to run their business so they don't have to look outside of Squire for anything.
1: How much do you charge them for this? How do you charge them for this? And how did you come to that?
2: Yeah, Pricing. so th- these, are, these are small business owners um, and we felt early on that small business owners were pretty sensitive to uh, their overhead and, and there's a limit on how much you can charge them. Uh, so we, we charge a SaaS fee starting at 100 a month um, up to going up to 250 a month. And that, that's really the, the upper limit of what, uh, what we charge the shops directly.
1: So they can easily afford to pay that hundred because you're going to get them an incremental customer or two a month and then they break even. Is that about right?
2: Yeah. It's Is that how really, they look at the decision? Yeah. yeah we don't really lean with, uh, lead with, we're going to send you new customers. Although we, we do send some new customers, we really focus more on, we're going to make your life easier and running your shop easier. We're going to streamline all of your operations. Um, we're going to take things that used to take you four or five hours a week. And now it's just literally slipping a button, turning turning on one feature, and it it handles it all for you. Um,
1: Barbershops are actually collections of a bunch of little businesses, I believe, in most cases, like hair salons, um, where each of the barbers is running their own little 1099 business, correct? So uh, if I own a barbershop and I have four or five people cutting or four or five chairs, they each are basically, I'm either renting those chairs out or revenue sharing. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, usually you it's either renting, which we call the booth rental model, or it is a revenue share, which is called the commission model in, in the industry. So it's usually one of those or a hybrid of the two. And you're right. The overwhelming majority of barbers are 1099s, even though if they're on the commission model, they're treated more similarly to, to employees in the sense that they have a schedule and, you know, they have to kind of do what the owner says. And if they're booth rental, then it's really they just do their own thing. They come and go as they please. And, what and do they, they
1: charge d- for a booth rental, you know, a barbershop in a, in a major city? L.A., Atlanta, New York? Yeah. Uh,
2: Around um, $200, two, 300 to 300 a week, usually. Okay. So they pay
1: yeah. $1,000 a month, 50 bucks a day, but they get 100% of the revenue that comes in then. Exactly. Yeah. Uh so if you had five if you had six chairs in your barbershop and you had them fully rented, barbershop's making six thousand on the chairs, they're paying two thousand dollars two or three thousand dollars to keep the store up and running, they make the other three thousand clear. Yeah. Is the basic concept for running it like a co-working space. Uh we've this has gotta be extremely complicated then in terms of billing and separating it. So that's what your software does is you say, that's- Hey, these three chairs are being rented. And then I'm, I'm assuming some people do a hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. Where they rent three chairs and then three chairs, they're doing it on commission.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets surprisingly complicated really quickly, uh, more so than most people would think. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, depending on how the shop is set up, um, the owner has to, if it's a booth rental, he's got to be on top, he or she has to be on top of uh, collecting his money you know, every week. So that in itself you know, it, it is a task. Um, and then a lot of shops want to have a centralized point of sale system. So now, you know, you ha- how do you divvy that up? You know, how do you make sure that each barber gets uh, paid what they're owed and that the t- shop gets what they're owed? And then you have to think about routing tips. It can get very, very complicated. And that's what we saw for all of those pain points with software.
1: Do, do you do the, the full POS and then they don't have to have Square or something like that? Or do yeah. you work with the other POS systems?
2: No. We, we we're very, very selfish and about our customers. We don't we don't want to work with anyone if we can avoid it. Um so we we try to replace everything and do everything.
1: And And so the POS just is like an iPad with a standard cash draw, something you attach to
2: it. yeah, yeah. we we provide the cash drawer, uh, uh, the the hardware, the iPad uh, software, um and then uh, the actual physical card readers as well.
1: Are, are the folks running these businesses tech savvy and sophisticated in general? Uh, or are they laggards like most people would suspect that they're the last people and they're just doing cash-based accounting out of a draw? Um, wh- where do they stand? And then how do you convince them to make this giant leap to not only add you know, a digital point of sale, but then to add scheduling and payments and all this stuff? Um, what's it like in terms of running a SaaS business like that?
2: Yeah, it's a pretty big spectrum. Uh, so you have on, on the high end, the, the more high end shops that charge a higher price point, are actually fairly tech savvy relative to all the small business owners and usually they're using some kind of software already. Um, often they're actually using two or three systems to run their business. And then the sell there is that, hey, we're, we're streamlining everything, bring it, bringing it all into one and making it super easy to use. And we're the only software that's specifically tailored for your business and, and your industry. Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum, yeah, you have pen and paper, you know, people who don't, who don't even want to take appointments, they want to do walk-in only and they want to you know, be cash only. That side of the spectrum obviously has been the most impacted by COVID, and, and you're seeing that they're being forced to, to really adopt software and, and technology you know, because of the circumstances.
1: And what is that circumstance? They, they need to uh, have appointments and they can't do walk-ins anymore because of social distancing, I would they, assume?
2: Exactly. They can't do walk-ins. They can't have people waiting in the shop. You know, to your point, uh, you probably hate that when you need to get a haircut. Um, uh, now, a lot of states are requiring that barbershops uh, use, be appointment-based and encouraging them to use software. And then also uh, cash. You know, there's been a shift to, to being less cash-based and you know, people don't want to be exchanging money and they want contactless payment. These are all things that we've been preaching. And now, um, you know, it's kind of a reckoning within the industry that the shops that were um, really lagging behind are now being forced to catch up if they want to stay in business
1: yeah the pandemic is certainly an accelerant i'm curious when we get back from this quick break what are you seeing change we're taping this in october of 2020 month arguably seven of this pandemic right march april may june july august september october maybe month eight so when we get back i want to know what month eight of the pandemic is looking like versus months four and months one and two when we get back on this week in startups One of the toughest parts of building a company is choosing which tools and providers to use. You know this. You want to pick the best solution for each department to help your employees succeed because they deserve the best. We all know that. But there are so many functions in a startup, and each one has an endless list of potential vendors. There's sales tools, there's email marketing, accounting, HR, payroll, project management, customer support, point of sale, e-commerce, you know, it goes on and on and on. Well, eventually you will wind up with a Frankenstack of tools that cost a lot and that don't integrate properly. Well, Odoo is here to change that. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of software products that let you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. It's simple. It's modular. So you use what you need and all their apps integrate perfectly with each other. How amazing does that sound? Plus, it's all open source, so you can spend that freshly raised capital on talent instead of expensive software. Your first app is free forever. And right now, Odoo is offering, wait for it, a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. So go to odoo, odoo.com slash twist to check it out. That's odoo.com slash twist to get the $1,000 in credit. Who knows how long that'll last, so go now odoo.com slash twist okay let's get back to this amazing episode welcome back to this weekend startups i'm your host jason calacanis you can follow me on the twitter at jason i'm an angel investor here in silicon valley uh we do this podcast two or three days a week and we're really excited to have today's guest song LaRon, on he is song LaRon on the twitter s-o-n-g-e-l-a-r-o-n and uh, he co-founded Squire in 2015. They've been, they've been at it for about five years. And they are helping barbershops with their scheduling and all their back end, back office, as it were. What, what was the change like for barbershops in the early stages of the pandemic, the first couple of months, versus now where people are reopening and they're allowed to have people into their barbershops, uh, but still people are cautious?
2: Yeah, first few months were frightening for, for everyone, particularly uh, our customers. Um, they were pretty abruptly forced to shut down in most states, and you know, they're not like a lot of uh, you know, white-collar workers that can just work from home and have that luxury. Yeah, they need to be in the shop uh, cutting in order to provide for their families. So it was very, very difficult and challenging. Uh, March, April, um, we saw almost all of our shops shut down completely. Um during, wow. during that during that time. Um, what tha- that, what's
1: that like for you? Then do you then give them a pause on charging them for software or a discount or something? How, how do you handle that for yourself?
2: Yeah, great, great question. So we early on, we made some really strategic decisions and we, we held it up with our leadership team and we decided that we were going to waive all subscription fees across the board for all current and new customers. Um, we decided uh, at the time to, to waive it until September. And then we, we actually decided to extend it until 2021. Um, and, wow. And, yeah. And, so, and re- no
1: revenue for you for the, during the 2020 pandemic year?
2: But no su- subscription revenue. So, we, we didn't really get into our revenue model, but we actually make revenue from payment processing and, and from some other uh, streams as well. Um, but subscription revenue, we, we, uh, we decided, Got and that it. is the most direct uh, you know, source of revenue that's felt by the, the, the shop owners.
1: Got it. Yeah. So, if they're where do they pay five percent or ten percent to pay for fees associated with the credit card?
2: No, they they pay standard, um, you know, two point nine plus thirty, give or take, uh, you know, that you would, you you would find with other you know, similar companies. Um, and then we have a we have a portion of our revenue that is is the booking fee that the actual client, the person getting the haircut, pays. Ah, yeah. yeah. So
1: they pay a dollar or two bucks to book the exactly the
2: slot? when they book and pay. So if, you're book, if you opt into booking and paying kind of like that Uber experience where you're just in and out, don't have to worry about cash, then you'll pay a slight premium uh, for it. And then if, if you decide to book without paying, in that case, you wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't pay anything extra.
1: And do you build individual apps for each barbershop or do you have like a central barbershop app for people to use to aggregate demand?
2: So we have both. We have a, what we call a Squire flagship app. Which has all the barbershops that are on Squire on it. Um, and then we also do custom branded apps. Um, and, and in that case, it's the basic functionality is the same, but we, we customize it to have the look and feel of the shop. So it feels like an extension of their brand and it doesn't, it doesn't say Squire anywhere on there.
1: Uh, of the thousand people using the platform, how many are back to work in October of 2020?
2: Fortunately, um, overwhelming majority are, are open back up and, and not many have. Shut down for good, which is was, which was really good because that's what we we're concerned about um, that some shops just wouldn't be able to sustain themselves. But, you know, barbershops are very, very uh, resilient businesses and um, they typically do very well in an economic downturns. Nobody thought about a pandemic happening. That's probably the only circumstance that caused them to close the doors. Um, but fortunately, we're seeing them reopening, um, bouncing back. Now the revenue is starting to normalize. Uh, on a per shop basis so you know it's not quite where it was pre-covid but um their their clients are still coming in in hit. aggregate
1: That's, uh 60 70 80% 90% what's what's the average barbershop doing now compared to what they did
2: last year without covid Yeah I would say on average probably around 85 to 90% um, That's amazing. You know, there's, there's some outliers. California for example was shut down much longer. And so they're, they're just, you know, recently reopened. Um, but, you know, some states- Not for like,
1: Nancy Pelosi. She got to go. <laughs> she <had> a, <laughs> might have been a setup, but who
2: knows. <laughs> I wasn't a barbershop, so I'll, I'll stay away that's from a, that That's not in your wheelhouse.
1: Yeah. <laughs> when you look at the precautions that are, I mean, the other thing that's nice about barbershops, I suppose, is they are asset light marketplaces. In other words, they don't have, the uh, they're not employees, the, the barbers who are there. So they don't, they're not having to pay them if the if their hairs not if hairs are not getting cut. And if a lot of hair is getting cut, those independent contractors, freelancers get to benefit because they get to make more money, and they get to pick their hours. Exactly. Is that right in general?
2: Yeah, exactly. It's very little overhead. Uh, the, o- the main overhead is the rent, mm-hmm. which, which, you know, s- some some landlords were, were forgiving during that time and you know, worked with them. But that that's, the, that's the main thing. And you know, once the doors open, they can get right back to business
1: do these uh you probably have seen we have prop 22 which uh, hopefully people vote for and uber and lyft drivers and doordash drivers and all those ride-sharing drivers should get to have flexibility and pick their hours i believe that um left out of that were barbershops uh Mm -hmm. and hair salons correct
2: yeah I, i don't believe that they're part of that
1: they're not part of that so how do you look at that you know and the issue around should they be, should those freelancers or contractors in your mind be forced to be employees? Or should they get to choose to be 1099 or employees? How, how do you, how do you think about that? I'm curious.
2: I mean, I, I tend to lean on the side of giving optionality because a lot of barbers really do like the freedom. Um, and, and many of them are, you know, they're artists, you know, a, a, as well as, um, you know, Service providers and they, they really do like to be able to come and go as they please. Um, you know, that, that being said, uh, there's also, you know, a, a need for, you know, many of them don't have health insurance and, you know, don't have, you know, access to, you know, financial products and it's hard for them to get loans and et cetera. Um, so I think that, and that's kind of part of where, you know, Squire, see, we see ourselves coming in to play in the, in the long term is eventually, you know, trying to provide some of those services they typically don't have access, access to.
1: Oh, really? So you're thinking about for your barbers and for haircutters um, to allow them, since you have their information, maybe withhold some of their earnings, their 1099 earnings and use it for healthcare or something?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at all these options like that. Yeah. So we're looking to fill all the gaps um, that currently aren't being uh, filled uh, for, the, for these customers. And they're, they're very underserved. They're underserved when it comes to banking, financial services, insurance um and and you name it and ultimately we're just trying to think of what, what, where, where are the areas we can provide the most value um really provide the full full suite of uh offerings that they need
1: and what's what's on the top of that list of things you could offer to them
2: uh financial services is is, is really interesting just is having something? a bank account yeah bank account uh debit cards you know potentially loan products. I mean, this, you know, saw this, there's nothing coming out right now. But these are things we're we're looking at. Um, You know, it's, it's they're, they're they're a demographic that we think has been very underserved.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if they're, if you have their information, you got the payments coming in, why not just give them each an account and and a bank account with one of these pop up services, or a debit card, they could spend it from or you could advance them a week or two uh, of their of their pay if they need it for a fee
2: yeah i mean because we um we touch the entire flow of money uh, from the booking all the way you know to paying the shop to paying out the barber it, it gives us uh insight and insights and there's a lot of interesting things that we can do that hopefully provide some value
1: when they're 1099 employees they they might have one day 10 haircuts another day two so on a day if they were in the barbershop for 10 hours and they only had two haircuts For thirty bucks each, they made sixty. They're at six dollars an hour. On the day they did ten at thirty bucks each, they did three hundred dollars. They made thirty bucks an hour. That's Mm -hmm. part of the process of being a freelancer: is you only get paid for when you're working, correct? Not when you have downtime.
2: Yeah, that that's the model in the overwhelming majority of, of barbershop.
1: And so, this seems fair or unfair to you that. A per individual gets to pick what they, how they work uh in this regard.
2: Um, curious how you look at I it. I think it's, it's, so, so you're saying as opposed to, well, I mean, you could take the employees. two in
1: this scenario, you could take those two days, put them together, and they did 12, they did 20 hours of work and 12 haircuts for 360, and you could just divide it and give them $16 an hour, $15 an hour, and make them, instead of entrepreneurial and 1099 and getting to take their expenses out um and you know have that downtime but they could read a book or do some self-improvement listen to an audiobook whatever it is netflix binge watch a show it seems to me there's this very like interesting moment in time we're living in where what used to be considered like little entrepreneurial businesses that people could grow up on they're not we're having unions and other folks say hey you you're not allowed to work that way. So I'm curious um, how you think about that. And we'll we'll answer that question when we get back from this quick break. Right now, everything is changing so rapidly, including the sales industry. With face-to-face meetings now a thing of the past, you'll need to quickly adapt your sales strategy if you want to stay ahead. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is the tool that is designed to help you master digital selling. You all know that. With real time updates, alerts, and thoughtful insights, you'll find new ways to connect with your buyers at a distance. You can tap into that amazing 700 million member network and use LinkedIn. Sales Navigator to get those 20 monthly in messages, lead recommendations, and unlimited searches. So you get right to the front of people's inboxes, actionable insights, and access to free courses on LinkedIn Learning. You get everything. And you can target the right prospects and decision makers, which can unlock 18% more pipeline from properly sourced opportunities. You get a 7% lift in win rate and larger deal sizes. As the world adapts to a new working habit, sellers must also shift tactics to stay ahead, and LinkedIn Sales Navigator is that secret weapon that's gonna help your sales team do just that. Our sales guy, Matt, here at This Week in Startups, loves LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and he uses it just to, you know, precisely target the right people and find the contacts he needs so we can keep this week in startups sold out. And that's how we got from one episode a week to two to three, and then sometimes we throw in that emergency podcast for you. We got a special offer here, a 60-day free trial of Sales Navigator. In order to unlock that, all you have to do is go to linkedin.com slash SaaS. S-A-A-S. That's right, go to linkedin.com slash to start your free 60-day trial of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Get your whole sales team in there and start seeing the register ring. Thanks again, LinkedIn Sales Navigator for joining the This Week in Startups family. Hey, we're back on This Week in Startups talking with Song Laurent uh, from Squire. You can go check out getsquire.com and you can download the Squire app, I suppose, and book right now and find a barber.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Um, I'm, I, we were sort of talking about this sort of mini entrepreneurial nature of it, uh, of you know hair cutters, uh, barbers, hairstylists, et cetera, they all have their own little businesses. They do, they are, they are an entrepreneurial bunch where they move from one salon to another, they might change and say, I got a better deal here, or they might then start their own barbershop. You do see that path, right? In these um, uh, employees or these freelancers who then become owners of businesses?
2: All, all the time, that, that's, that's kind of the natural trajectory um for a successful career um in this in this industry is that eventually many of them they want to open a shop and that's the main way that they can you know build more wealth and and you know make more money outside of just the number of haircuts they're providing each day so uh, absolutely we see that
1: and so if they were not 1099 employees they wouldn't be as portable or flexible they wouldn't be able to leave and go to work for another one to start their own they would just be hourly workers who had to work specific shifts and that would be less that would give them less mobility.
2: It would give them probably less mobility and also it would I think that's a type of model that could work uh for some sh- barbershops that that have the resources. Um but you know like we said before a barbershop is a pretty easy business to start uh, yeah. to to you know and the overhead and the amount of assets required is really low and that's part of the, one of the appealing reasons of why there's so many shops and why it's it's, it's interesting for for these these uh, business owners. If, if we were required all the barbers to employees, it'd be a really heavy lift, I think, just starting a barbershop um, and getting it off the ground. Um, so, you know, we see that model more like in the franchises um, that have, you know, 30, 40, 50. Oh, the you know. super
1: cuts of the yeah, world. Yeah, they nope. pay people a, an hourly wage.
2: Yeah, they pay people hourly. But for the one off uh, so you have mom, to be a shift
1: pop. worker. You got to work eight hour shifts when they tell you.
2: Yeah. Typically.
1: And you got to do X number of hours per week and you're not allowed to work at another salon
2: yeah yeah
1: they basically dictate your entire work
2: yeah typically yeah see
1: i so, think this is the important yeah. discussion that people don't understand is that once you add all these regulations it, it becomes impossible for somebody if they had to hire everybody full-time and take on that risk to to pop up a barbershop right
2: um yeah i mean i think it would it, it would be um i mean we can think of i'm sure there's there's room to think of how how it could be improved and how we could provide some more safeguards for, for barbers outside of the current situation but i definitely think it would be heavy-handed to re- to require all barbers to be employees we would see a lot of shop shutting down most likely
1: yeah this is the thing i think there's there's good intention i think when people think they're trying to protect workers but i don't think that this class of worker wants to be forced to be an hourly worker they the what do you see amongst that group in terms of do they want to be hourly workers or do they just want to be the uh, freelancers the way they are if you were to ask 10 of them how many would say i want the current system how many would say they want to just make the same amount of money but be hourly
2: it to be fair i haven't polled this uh, so i don't know for sure but anecdotally i would guess that they like the current system they want to be able to uh charge you know as much as possible make as much as possible for the services they're providing and have that kind of flexibility um and and they also like to build their own book of business uh, many barbers um so that you know they like to think that you know these are their customers that they've been building so when they do go to another shop um they can bring those you know customers how do you
1: do that with the software i'm curious how do you manage that with people booking just the do they split the ownership of that lead does the individual barber get a copy of the contact information and the store or does the individual person have to like build it up and build up their own phone book on their iphone
2: it varies case by case and it depends on who how the shop is set up so if they're if they're a booth rental and each barber is really just an independent business owner doing doing their own thing generally they'll have access to to the customer data and they can take it with them when they're commissioned, when it's a commission shop, and the relationship is with the owner of the shop and squire, then mm. in that case, we, we kind of default to the owner and, and like how they want to run it. Um, a lot of times, the owners invest a lot of money in marketing and branding into you know acquiring these customers. So it's not really fair to them uh, to then have the barbers you know take all take that information, take the book of business yeah. and
1: leave within start a competitor. Yeah,
2: yeah, across the street. You know, which we've seen <laughs> a lot of times actually.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, there's a little compa- competition yeah. going there. Yeah. Um, talk to me about the culture of barbershops and what they represent sort of in society and then how you would think about that in terms of building the software uh, for these barbershops obviously building a dedicated app is part of that right mm-hmm. people want to have the look and feel talk to me a little bit about that culture and what they represent in terms of community building and then what do these barbershops make in terms of What's their TAM for all the barbershops or individual barbershops? What can they expect to make?
2: Yeah. um, So in terms of the the culture, it's it's, it's, it's a subculture, really. And the people in this industry are some of the most passionate um, people I've ever worked with. Um, They don't look at being a barber as like a job or even a profession. Most of them, they look at it as their life calling. And, and, you know, they'll tell you, you know, being a barber saved my life. You know, I was doing this before, I was doing that before. And this is the one thing that really has given them uh, meaning. So, it's, it's really inspiring to, to, to be working with them. Um, and they're also very proud, very proud of what they do. Um, that's like the, the fact that we're so specialized and so focused on this vertical really gives us an advantage um, uh, relative to, to competitors who are trying to go horizontally after a lot of different verticals. They know that Squire is, 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 frankly, it's the only company that is dedicated exclusively to them and to solving their needs um, and to providing value. Um, so that, that's something that we're, we, you know, we're really proud of as well.
1: What does a barbershop make? The average barbershop in your system, a th- you know, you've got a thousand of them, so you probably have some aggregate data. What does an average barbershop generate in terms of revenue, if they had six chairs, 12 chairs? I guess the
2: average is six chairs? Average is about five or, five or six chairs. Um, on average, they they make about one hundred and fifty, hundred sixty thousand a year. Uh, card processed, and mm. then you know, layer cash on top of that. Uh, um, so you, so know, you double it. Double? Uh, I would say not quite double because you're seeing more card uses actually. About fifty percent, maybe then. Yeah, about fifty percent. Yeah, it's yeah. um, so a quarter
1: maybe, million a year for a barbershop. Yeah, get some a, expense. On average, fifty percent margin, thirty five percent margin. They run at.
2: Uh, about 50%. It depends on the commission breakdown with, with yeah. the barbers, um, but it's usually, you know, somewhere, somewhere around
1: 50%. Yeah, see, the problem I have right now is uh, having moved to the Bay Area from New York. I used to go to Astro Place. Boom, quick. I got my person, get my hair cut. The problem is I moved know, to San Francisco. You know the history
2: of A- Astro Place bar- barbershop, right? What's that? Do, do, you, did you, know, do you know, like, kind of the story about A- Astro Place and, like, who owns it and...
1: The only thing I knew about Astor Place was yeah. when I was a kid in the 80s, we would go to the city and it was 12 bucks and yeah. we'd give the, you know, the lady who did it for us, you know, like a 20 and we were all stars. We got to the front of the list and we would just all go get our hair cut, you know, like every two months or whatever, yeah. take the R train there. But I don't know the backstory on Astor Place. I
2: mean, it's it's a, it's a famous barbershop in New York. Anybody, yes. you know, in the downtown area has, has heard of it. Uh, great shop, old school, in and out, um, you know, yeah, no must, no fuss. No must, no fuss. But let uh, put it this way. It's not the kind of shop where you'd ever want to think about, you know, not paying or walking out or doing anything like that. The guys who ran that shop. Oh, it was is, legit. Uh, Some Italian guys, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a feeling. I know what you're <laughs> yeah, talking about. Yeah. Uh, so well, leave it at that. Yeah. You probably do want to pay. Uh, yeah.
1: What was great about Astro Place, I have to say, back in the day, was it was such a mecca of many different cultures, because they cut white guy's hair, they cut Mm -hmm. black guy's hair. It it was like a, it was a bit of a crossover, right? Mm -hmm. So there were in the 90s when I would go, when I was in school at Fordham, we go down there, you know, you would have working class people, you'd have hip hop people, you'd have NYU students, you have gay people, straight people. It was really like a cross section of New York. You'd have bankers going, Mm -hmm. you know, all the way down to students to to grandpas everybody would just go in there and get a quick cut boom you're done right for 12 bucks 15 bucks but the average cut now is 30 what's the average cut now in the united states for men's haircut buzz cut
2: yeah I, on our system it's, it's about 40 but average across the you know, u.s probably about 30 The 30 including tip
1: it's getting crazy uh yeah. expensive and then the problem i have with the, everything is it's the, the the hipsters took over, and they're making bar barber shops, uh, hipster barber shops like Public Works and all these, you know, places. It, it's they're kind of making them cookie cutter hipster. I, I don't like this hipster trend.
2: Yeah, I mean, nobody likes. Me. Nobody likes. Nobody self identifies or or likes hipsters for some reason. It's like a term. They're like. We all know hipsters. Hipsters are annoying. But nobody claims to be one. Um, but I know the type of shops you're talking about. Uh, you know, I personally, I, we, those shops are great for our business. You know, they charge high price points. Um, That's the they, problem. They're,
1: they <laughs> they want to charge $60 for a quick buzz cut. And I'm like...
2: But they, we you know why? Because they're focused on providing an experience, you know. That's that, not the that,
1: experience that I'm looking for. They're also I want the so, Park, so, so, Place experience. So in and
2: out. I, I love Aster Place too, you know. And it, it, we, we try to work with all types of shops. But I think there is room. I think there is room in the market for what they're offering, which is clear because there's been so many of them. That you know, yeah. there's not a lot of places guys can go to kind of be pampered in a masculine way and still feel you know masculine about it, and that that's what they're providing. You know, when they're for whiskey, ah, uh, because they the give drink. you the
1: neck massage the and neck everything. Messa- yeah, yeah,
2: and, yeah. yeah. You know, so you get to
1: like still be like a tough guy, but you got your exactly. neck massaged. And it's still
2: <laughs> exactly. Cool. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah. When
1: we get back from this, I want to understand why, uh, how people are doing this all safely in COVID, and what the best practice is, and when we should all think about. The risk of going back, because mm-hmm. that is something I've been thinking about. I got one cut during COVID, famously, uh, by my celebrity hairstylist from Man Groomer <laughs> down in when I was in Malibu for a couple of weeks at the beach house. But uh, now I got to get back into my regular, and I want to know what the precautions are when we get back on the Swedish startups. SaaS companies with reoccurring revenue used to have basically two ways to get cash and to grow. One is you sell equity. That works, sure, why not? Or you can get debt. Okay, that's a little scary, it's a loan. Well, now there's a brand new third way to grow without debt or dilution, and that's PIPE, pipe.com ecom It's a two-sided marketplace, like a marketplace like Airbnb or eBay, you know what a marketplace is. And what they do there is they connect SaaS companies who have monthly or quarterly reoccurring revenue with institutional investors who will bid in order to purchase that revenue on an annual upfront basis. So you're charging monthly, quarterly, and these investors come and they say we'll give you that money now so you can deploy it and we'll bid we'll give you 93 cents 94 cents it's a pretty interesting clever idea right they get a little bit of the spread and you get that cash up front to deploy to build your company pretty pretty slick right well pipe is the smarter way to grow your business it's super founder friendly and it's a great way for you to grow without debt loans or dilution Pipe is also frictionless and completely transparent. It only takes a couple of minutes to sign up and you'll have the cash in your bank within 24 hours. Pipe is so confident you'll love trading your SaaS subscription that if you sign up by the end of November, they'll eliminate all your trading fees for one full year. This could save you tens of thousands of dollars depending on the size of your business and the volume you trade. So happy piping. Sign up today at pipe.com slash twist. P-I-P-E.com slash twist. Pipe.com slash twist. Welcome back. Song Loran is here from Squire. All right. What is the best practice now? I know there's been a couple of outbreaks at hair salons, but the customers didn't get it. Like a couple of people working in the hair salon got it. That was the only I heard that like one anecdotal story a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. But everybody seems to be going back and getting haircuts. What's the, what's the best practice now, and what's the safety track record like?
2: Yeah, so it, as the state should reopen, pretty much every state uh, imposed guidelines for salons and barbershops to reopen safely. And you know, there's some variance, but across the board, um, masks should be required uh, from the barber as well as the client. Um, there should be no walk-ins. There should be appointments only. So people are showing up at the time of their appointment and they're waiting uh, outside of the shop. So there's no more waiting inside the shop. Um, there should be uh, disinfecting of the barber chair, all of the supplies, uh, all of the tools. Um, a lot of states are requiring uh, disposable capes. So you're not, you're not using a, a, an old cape that somebody wore just before you. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. I like, and-
1: the, I like the disposable cape. Um, just for cleanliness in general.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Paper, just
1: make it out of paper. Toss it afterwards.
2: Yeah, just just toss it. Are are
1: people reconfiguring these and putting plastic between the stations, or is that like overkill?
2: I've seen that. I've seen that. Um, not, it's not like across the board, but I've, I've seen some shops experimenting with that, which the plastic... makes no sense because like the germs can go over the plastic. yeah that that
1: one doesn't make sense to me like uh, if you're in a confined space it really is the density of the space and then the mask wearing so people just need to be vigilant about on both sides wearing masks and then the face shield yeah is like an extra protection for dentists and people who have to do this 10 times a day
2: yeah and, and that uh, seems to work, right? That, that's, that, that works, I mean, first of all, barbers are probably one of the only types of professionals who are actually trained on this prior to COVID. They, they, oh, really? They, to get their license, they have to study, uh, you know, dis- how to disinfect materials, how to not, you know, spread disease, like that. that's all part of their, their education anyway. Now you add this, this COVID situation and like they're, they're one of the best prepared types of professionals, in, in my opinion, to, to handle this versus like, you know, a waiter who just could be anybody. Um, yeah. so barbers have to be licensed according to, you know, state law. Um, and, and in terms of like what, what we're seeing, like, like you said, there have been, uh, uh r- reports of, um, spread, you know, in some, I think it was a salon actually. But interestingly, in that salon, they all wore masks and no, no clients were infected. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it it goes to show, and there were like hundreds of cuts performed. So, it goes to show you like the power of, of of actually wearing, if everybody wears a mask and if the procedures are, are followed.
1: Hey, that's a very interesting point. If people just were if we just studied barbershops, which have, you know, five chairs and 10 customers for each chair, you got 50 people coming in and out a day with five barbers and, you know, uh, probably a reception area. So, you're talking about, S- you know, six stationary people and fifty people coming in out. You could just use that as your testing and tracing, uh, and then mm-hmm. eventually people could test when they get to the barbershop. I-, I don't know if you've seen that starting yet, but I predict that's going to become the big win. Is just come to the barbershop and get tested, and we'll throw great. in the yeah. fifteen dollar test.
2: Yeah, Say, government should really be working with with barbershops um because they're really uh you know there's they're hubs of the community um and people are, are going to continue getting haircuts you know as long as as, as long as they can and had barbershops been a vector of spread like they'd be shut down immediately like we would have heard about yeah. it and so we know that that's not happening
1: it's definitely not a major spreader because like you said the, you're going to have a hundred percent compliance in there because if you were using razors and doing shaves and you're using clippers you already know to disinfect that stuff these people Mm -hmm. are hyper vigilant they keep every piece of equipment cleaned and wiped down they do it in front of you as
2: part of the show Mm -hmm. right it's part of the show it's part of the show and and a lot of that practice really became really prevalent uh during the hiv epidemic you know people didn't know if you could get a you know hiv from a haircut so they really had to (laughs) hone in on, on on how to disinfect and and how to you know, make sure people are safe. And now in in this environment, you know, I think that they're, they're some of the best trained people uh, and they're the most ready um, to to handle it.
1: Yeah, that is amazing. Thinking back on it, there was that moment in time where people during Mm -hmm. HIV were like, oh my God, Magic Johnson can't play basketball because you know, sweat on somebody, they're going to transfer HIV. Or what if somebody gets a nick while they're Mm -hmm. getting at the barbershop, everybody Mm -hmm. in the barbershop is going to get AIDS. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We know a little bit more than that. Yeah, But yeah, so uh, how did you wind up getting into all of this? I know you were, uh, a, I think you were a lawyer before this doing M&A, right?
2: Yeah, I was a MA and a lawyer at a big firm in New York. And-
1: um, Where, at Skadden Arps, Sherman uh, Sterling?
2: Yeah, uh, Skadden, good good guess. You were at Skadden? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where did you go, Columbia, NYU? For law, I, I went to Yale. I was I about to say, I was, I was
1: triangulating. You did not get into and Arps unless you were Ivy League. Uh,
2: yeah, Where'd you yeah, go I mean, undergrad? Uh UCLA.
1: Yeah. Okay, so UCLA. Then you went to Yale Law.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: were at Scadden up on uh what Time is that? Square. Lex fifty fifth?
2: No, it's, it's the Cody Nashville. Well they used to be in the Cody Nashville. I don't know if they're still there. Oh the Connecticut. Times Square. Times Square. Yeah. Oh
1: the, I know oh that's right. That's yeah. Scaton. I was thinking Sherman Sterling's over on Lex and Fifty Fifth. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah Scadden
1: yeah. is was in the Oh yeah, I remember that because anyway, I had a friend <laughs> and who worked at uh, uh scadden and he'd be like right scat you were at scadden mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they would be like yeah I- the vogue elevator <laughs> <laughs> There was like all these stories about like the vogue elevator bank was yeah. and the scadden lawyers vogue elevator yeah. Bank. there was some collisions occurring maybe some of them <laughs> intentional back in the day
2: I'm sure more intentional on the scatting side. On the yeah.
1: scatting side, I think it was more intentional <laughs> to try to meet, yeah, the, the
2: folks working at Vogue. Yeah, um, yeah. So you, you quit that to
1: go start a company? That was a big quit job. Uh, yeah.
2: How
1: yeah. did that go down?
2: So I, I always wanted to do something entrepreneurial. Didn't know what. Um, you know, I had started in between. I took one year off in between undergrad and law school. Or actually, you know, started a company, not a tech company because I didn't know about tech at that point. It was like a tutoring company. Um, so it was always kind of in my mind that I wanted to do something. Um, and then uh, my co founder and I we would just brainstorm ideas and we came across the idea of like wow, the barbershop experience can really be improved. And the more research we did, the more we saw that this was a real, a real opportunity. And so, you know, decided to just jump into it head first.
1: Is there a yeah, and gave up the 150
2: from Scadden. Oh, it was more than that.
1: Yeah. I was just, I was just thinking, starting. Just, I was thinking, isn't starting like 150,
2: 175? Or am was, I outdated well, I think now? it was like 160 when I was there. So by now, it's probably way more. I don't, I don't know what it is now. But there's too many right. lawyers
1: now, right? Is that, that's hard. I mean, you have to be elite to get into Scadden, but yeah. they're, those, they're, not, they're not throwing those 175 out of school gigs to everybody anymore
2: yeah no it's not that many of them competitive yeah it's very 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 competitive competitive.
1: uh what is the outcome here in terms of scaling because there's a limited number of barbershops so are you thinking about salons or massage places or other things or is there enough barbershops for you to keep going here how many barbershops are there in the united states
2: yeah this this surprisingly a lot more barbershops than most people would think. And there's actually not a lot of great data on the number of barbershops. So you kind of have to do some work to get to a number. Um, you know, we, our research puts a number at anywhere uh, between 250 and, and 400,000 in the US. Um, oh, wow. it, if, if you uh, include like unisex, uh, barbershops or salons, which, which we do include in our market size, but just pure barbershops, we think there's at least 250,000. You're um, not so even 1%. We're barely scratching the surface. Um, so, you know, we know that we can build a really big, uh, successful company just on barbershops. Uh, you know, that being said, if, you know, five years from now, we see that, you know, we're, we're, we're tapping out on that, um, there's other verticals we could, we could explore because the software could, could work for a lot of other uh, verticals. But I think that there's a real power in being focused and, and being targeted. So we've got a lot of room to grow in this space.
1: Uh, awesome. Well, listen, continued success. What about what, uh, what about my need? Let's talk about uh, my need, <laughs> which is need? I need, need to be able to book an hour and just pop in and get it done for 20 minutes because they always make me wait that I'm late. Then they put three people in front of me. I can't take it. Is <laughs> is that available where I could just VIP and take an hour slot and just pop in anytime I want?
2: So the this, this system could work for that. Like, yeah. like You can totally do that on Squire. The problem is um, these guys come up with, um, solutions for like, you know, the 99% of the customers, like people yeah. like you are like, that is, is, is we, need small for- yeah. <laughs> we need <laughs> a big fish VIP experience. We need a bottle place. service experience. <laughs> I want to be
1: able to go and have a bottle, pop a bottle and have a, an hour window.
2: I think we could, I think I could get that done for you. i I think that they
1: should really think about the vip
2: kind of situation where you're willing to pay they'll do it yeah they'll do
1: it no i literally had my assistant do that because i was getting admonished by the barbershop receptionist and she's like listen you know you're late every time And i was was like listen i give (laughs) a hundred percent (laughs) tip you're charging me 45 dollars i give you a hundred every time (gasps) just book two appointments and give me the whole window my boss doesn't let me do that
2: Yeah. We'll talk offline, I, th- I think yeah. it can make some recommendations. What about the
1: at-home kind of market? Has that ever, you know, or is it just people want to go and have the experience and that just adds too much cost to it?
2: Yeah, we looked at that early on and mm-hmm. there were some companies trying to do it and I don't think it panned out so well. It's just not, it's, it's, it's the subset of customers who are willing to pay the premium that it takes to make that a feasible business model. is just, you can't build a whole business around it. You and have to charge three times, right? Yeah, you have to charge three times. You have to pay for, you know, travel costs and the time that it takes to get from point A to point B. And then the experience is just kind of not great. You got hair all over and, yeah. you know, people prefer to just go into the shop.
1: Yeah, I wish I could go into the shop if they just didn't ding me for being late all the time. <laughs> I need a little more flexibility on that. <laughs> Listen, continued success with it. And uh, I'm sorry we couldn't do this in person, but pandemic, yeah. so everything's virtual.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where are you guys based? uh we're we're new york but we're distributors we've got we've got people all over
1: yeah well, that's the way to do it now yeah. uh all right well listen stay safe and uh thanks for doing it and thank you thank goodness that these small businesses are back up and running this really makes me feel good that they're at 85 percent now or more uh, and that we're going to save these businesses so if you are yeah. listening you know uh and you do book an appointment do me a favor if you have the means, just give that big, huge tip if you can. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you got, if you're listening to this podcast, there's no reason you can't give a 50% or 100% tip on your, your barbershop. And that's, this is the year to do it. Just give that 100% tip. Yeah, so they're
0: absolutely. charging you
1: 40, you just give them 80. That's it. They need the money right now. Help yep. help bridge that extra 15%. And maybe they are in arrears on the some of their bills. So it, it helps. Uh, give mm-hmm. a huge tip if you can, people. All mm-hmm. right. We'll see you all next time on This week's Service. Bye bye.